Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. Hello to all our listeners. These are difficult times, of course, with the crisis, the humanitarian crisis, the terrible bloodshed, uh, the awful sadness, the madness in Ukraine. We pray for it to end speedily and the thugs involved are brought to justice. It must end. I hope we will see massive peace protests roll out all over the world uh, we're already seeing signs of that and we're seeing the great resistance by the wonderful people of ukraine we have a great episode coming up with john Horvitz. he recently wrote a fantastic and a breathtaking opinion piece three reasons why the supply chain problems will persist it got my attention and i had to get him on the show he agreed i've interviewed him before he has a brilliant mind he's well read he's a scholar he's an economist he's vice president at a group known as tradition family and property and he has deep insights on our global crisis from a moral as much as a financial perspective the opening lines of his recent opinion piece will get your attention he says the covid crisis has exposed the vulnerability of the immense global supply chain system the supply lines run in tightly coupled processes that can be incredibly complex John Horvitz goes on to say the system can handle minor disruptions by handing them to multiple players to get goods to market just in time for sale. And he goes on and explains why this system has run into big problems in the time of COVID. And we recorded this uh, just before the Ukraine crisis erupts and it probably puts another wrinkle in this. And I may come back to John for his update on it you'll get a lot of insights from this interview and of course china is in the crosshairs of this global supply chain problem as john Horvath explains i mean i mean there 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 are definitely options we are the ones that built them up if we didn't build them up there we could build them in other places that do respect human rights but uh, the choice was made there and yeah. it was a wrong choice and a bad choice. And it is, uh, I mean, it's a shameful choice. That was John Horvath with a little wee excerpt from my interview coming up in a moment on three reasons why the supply chain problems will persist. The interview uh, takes up most of that issue and then we take a directional move and we talk about the global system and global debt system and economy and frenetic consumption. And John will explain what all of that is about. It may explain why we have these massive financial crises in recent years, massive bubbles in assets, borrowing bubbles everywhere and it's human madness and human psychology upended john will get into that and uh, we'll even dive deeper into china and why we should be concerned we all love the chinese people they have a rich deep historical culture and nature it's not about the chinese people more about the system that's in place there it's a totalitarian system as you well know all our listeners, I want to tell you about a new podcast which just recorded its sixth episode. It's called Odian Capital Conversations with Dick Beauvais and Matt Van Alstein and your host, 
yours truly. It's a deep dive into all things money and markets and this program of well-informed conversations and debate gets into lots about China, global economics. We already looked at the potential and the emergence of housing slums in America and we looked at the terrible crisis in Ukraine and what it means in economic and financial and investing terms as well as being a humanitarian crisis. We addressed it in an historical context and much much more. Episode 7 is coming up soon but you can go back and binge on the first six episodes it's called Odeon Capital Conversations with Dick Bovey. He's the chief financial strategist at Odeon and Matt Van Alstein, Odeon managing partner and co-founder and hosted by yours truly. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork. Yeah, I can do this. You go, Karen! By simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now, she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Our guest is John Horvitt and he is discussing three reasons why he says the supply chain problems in America and I guess more globally will persist and later we'll get into other economic areas which you'll want to catch up on. I'm your host John Aidan Byrne. John Horvitt welcome to my show I'm delighted to have you on I've interviewed you before on different topics and they're all sort of interconnected I've always found your analysis on matters of an economic nature most interesting and different to what you might get, let's say, on the mainstream, if we can even define the mainstream anymore, because you kind of take a moral perspective on things. And that sort of seems to be lacking in an awful lot of economic coverage in the press. And you look closely at the supply chain situation and you published a paper recently. I'm going to take a peek at the headline. And, and the content here, three reasons why the supply chain problems will persist. Can you sort of take us through that and what you wrote about? Yes, we have a very complex economy, a very complex uh, system that's uh, choreographed pretty tightly. It's tightly coupled. So if you take away or or disrupt those 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 supply lines, it does it can have catastrophic results. And so uh, we the the, pre, the the supply lines get a lot, transport a lot of material, huge amounts of material, but there it is very vulnerable from certain aspects. And from the the first one is the mere bigness of things. Well, the minute you get big, you lose your agility. Uh, we're talking about ships that have twenty thousand containers. Uh, that's enough to fill the the uh, Empire State Building. One ship. You know, that's what we're talking about. That's unimaginable. I never, <laughs> when I saw that statistic, I had to step back. Yes. And if you look at the pictures, I mean, they're just these ships just piled, piled, piled there. They they look like they could fit the, the Empire State Building because they are monstrous, uh, monstrous. Yeah, and everything is tightly packed in very well. Tightly packed. And, yeah. and, 
And so when you're dealing with things like that, that are highly coupled, that's, you know, are on a schedule uh, and all of a sudden you get problems that are, are uh, you know, that uh, some little thing happens that puts a, um, a delay or just uh, something there's not there, or they're not, they're not properly d done. It, it will, it will definitely cause problems. And that, that is why uh, I think we will see a persistence in this because there are a lot of disruptions on both sides from the point of view of the producer, who's constantly being now with the COVID shutdowns in China again, the, the other things that are uh, all the, the whole uh, commodities, the um, raw materials, everything is in a mess. And so uh, it's, it is a definitely a, I think it is definitely a problem. And it is a problem in modern economy. I mean, a normal economy should have some safeguards. It should be able to deal with these problems. It should. I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a small is beautiful person. I, I think we do need certain things that are big and need to need to uh, to keep them big because they require it. But at the same time, I'm against gigantism, which uh, t tends to pr make uh, uh, pr produce uh, systems that are monstrous that are usually not free market because they are, they, they involve uh, subsidies, uh, deals and deals between others. So it's not really a free market as such, but it takes advantage of its size to squeeze out the others. So, you know, this is one of the big factors. The bigness problem is a big factor. You're not one of these small is beautiful. I'm sort of a small is beautiful kind of guy. <laughs> um, I like things simple, but then you're saying this bigness is a problem. So I mean, a bit of a contradiction here. God made things small, medium, and saw and in big sizes. Uh, <laughs> the ocean is big; it's huge, but it's not gigantic. It's not out of proportion to human, uh, human, 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 human nature. So that there are big things that you need to have: big companies, big warehouses, big uh, factories. You can't build a jet plane in your in your garage. You definitely need something a lot bigger. And so, those are things that I think uh, you know that the nature of the of the uh, of the product requires that uh, but i think there there does necessarily does need to be that that uh small medium and small uh small medium and large uh mixture to take care of the various markets and, and have a very balanced marketplace that then takes us up to the second problem which you describe as the increasing container pileup yeah yeah i mean just to show how inorganic this whole thing is because it should be in the nature of transport that if you're transporting some something to somewhere, you should be able to trans some, transport something back to somewhere. And in these in these huge twenty thousand container ships, uh, they bring everything full and they take it back to China almost empty. Uh, we we ship containers back to China, not our goods and services or exports. Uh, you know, very few, certainly not in the proportion which China sends to us. So there's definitely something wrong with this uh, with this type of a situation. If you can, if you have to rely upon a system that can that ships halfway across the world and ships back emptiness halfway across the world, uh, you're from the you're definitely losing efficiency. Uh, it's it's something that I think uh, most people don't realize. They don't realize that you know these shipping containers are empty, and they have to be in the right place at the right time. So in the present situation, you may get those shipping containers here. But uh, getting them back uh, to the to the ports to fill up the, the 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 ships that are already off schedule, it just creates a a monstrous problem, and it's not going away soon. So they literally send back these containers empty. 
Yeah. I mean, it's staggering. And you said that you can can fill uh, as what would take to to fill up the Empire State Building. This is this is massive amount of of air. Right. I mean, has nobody in our modern age, with all our advances and smart engineering, figured out how to make this more efficient, or is it so complex they can't? Well, the metrics is not efficiency. The metrics is cost. And they, it is simply costs less to to send it back and send it back ah. empty. So that's what they're using. So the metrics is cost. The costs were in the other direction. They could pack up these containers with something. Right. And if the if the uh, let's say the marketplace was a, a more level playing field, uh, definitely you would have less left stu left stuff coming here, and you probably have more stuff going there. But since all you have is you have this cheap labor, you have this. Uh, business environment where you don't have to worry about environment, uh, uh, you know, ec ecology or any of these other uh, regulations, uh, they can produce things much cheaper than we can. So it, it definitely uh, is a trade imbalance that is based on uh, advantages that the, their system has over ours, but it's certainly not a, a uh, advantage, you know, it, it tramples human rights and uh, and makes the earth a lot dirtier, let's put it that way. So you would think all these environmentalists would take note of all of this, might be a good campaign to jump on. <laughs> yes, but China <laughs> is sort of immune from these kind of things, unfortunately, and they and they hold us over a barrel now because they do produce a lot of things that we don't produce anymore. And they they uh, it is it is something that they can leverage against us. So yeah, we definitely need to work in that direction. It will take take some time. And I think some businesses are doing that, but uh, not enough to, at this point to make a difference. Yeah, I'm just reading from that second point from your recent paper. The gigantism of the container system presents other problems in times of crisis. This is you. Chinese goods pour into Western ports, depositing mountains of shipping containers. The most likely commodity shipped back to China from the West will be air, which I just referred to there. Millions of empty containers must be transported back, wasting shipping capacity because the present system is gearing to maximize costs, not efficiency. Supply chain disruptions put these containers in all the wrong places at the wrong times. Yes, because it's, it's amazing. Yeah, a lot of these containers have to go inland. First of all, because all the ships have to go, have to be uh, unloaded at the ports that can take these huge ships, which are 15. And, uh, you know, they can't get them inland. They have to, uh, they have to bring all those containers inland and they have to bring them back. So it's, it's a really, it's a real mess. If the system's working and working as it used to work, you know, it could work. It, it was, it was, there was no problem, but now there definitely is a lot of problems and so, you know it's just it's amazing yeah well let me stop here if it worked the way it used to work is that because of the pandemic is that what we're the referring pandemic to definitely threw a monkey wrench on everything yes because it had it was a well-oiled machine but at, at a certain point one of the gears messed up and you have just a lot of a lot of noise going on in that that motor that's not working like as it should well we'll get to the final problem you identify in a moment so you say the problem will persist. Are you putting a time frame on that? It'll persist as long as the pandemic conditions persist or what? I think there are a lot of factors now entering in because you have uh, the pandemic. You have the uh, problem with uh, Taiwan, the, the Cold War, the new Cold War that, that, is, that could complicate those kind of things. 
you have also uh, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, Chinese aggression uh, and and you know trying to outdo us in a lot of things there that they, they, they could put more uh, problems into the system and uh, just the uh, the, I think the pandemic left a lot of things uh, loose and, uh, and 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 very um, less agile. And so it'll take a while to get that rhythm back up if if things are in ideal conditions. And I, and I don't think they are. The political situation, the economic situation, all all into that. So uh, they're talking now at least a year. But I, uh, you know, you you really can't tell be, because. You need ideal conditions to get your back into that rhythm. You need that 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 regularity, that is so essential for that. What's happened has exposed underlying cracks in a very well-oiled machine. It just upended, and yes. and we saw it through the pandemic. And of course, we could we we could add other potential threats that you kind of alluded to there. You could have you know a trade war. You could have political tensions, or China could have a, a protocol or. Could decide not to ship back. There's just so many variables mm-hmm. here, right? And, exactly. And the pandemic has brought it all to light in many respects. Right. Exactly. It it just uh, it took the system and just shook up the system, and now we have to deal with the with the aftermath of that, and it's not an easy problem. It certainly is not. I like this from your paper. The American container distribution system is more complex because of the Jones Act yes. of 1920 which does not allow foreign flagged crude and owned ships to transport goods between American cities. You go on to say, since American shipping has long been replaced by cheaper foreign shipping firms, the containers of foreign goods that usually could travel on the nation's river systems now clog the highways by massive trucking fleets. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it it is a... You have the Jones Act, which was back in the 20s, uh, you know, that, that enacted this legislation that tried to keep American shipping in America. But now that has been superseded. And so um, they're forced to uh, uh, unload from foreign ports to American ports. That's allowed. But from American ports to American ports is not allowed unless it's a American flag, crude and build ship. And we simply don't do that anymore. We have a barge system on the rivers. We have a very good river system, and that river system goes very far into the into our into our nation. But we're not using that system, and it could be of use, and it could unclog a lot of the traffic on the other on the other in the major ports, and unclog the highways because a lot of these highways are clogged. You know, like around Newark, uh, I I ninety five. There's oh, the dreadful. It's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. They're, and they have all the warehouses right near there. So it's just back and forth 15 times a day, you know, you just, yeah. it just really messes up the system. So we, there, there definitely could be solutions if we want to find those solutions. Yeah. And those quality of life issues with what's going on at the moment, a uh, mm-hmm. rail system, would that work a bit? Also, well, the rail system does work and it is used, it is used if they're not robbed in, San, in Los Angeles. I mean, you saw the pictures <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you you definitely that definitely does help. It is a, it is a, we do have a good rail system, so it does help. But it's not nearly enough to uh, to take those take a lot of the, buildings the, from one side of the nation to the other. The final problem you identify, you mentioned well, the interlinking with other processes, which you kind of got into there anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not just a matter of transporting something from one place to another. There are all sorts of financial tricks that they use to maximize 
cost, maximize profits that uh, are an integral part of the whole um, distribution network. And, and the point, one of the examples that I give is, is just, I was really shocked when I found out about it that, you know, that, that Walmart uh, will, um, when, the minute you buy, they, they do not pay the vendor until a sale is made. And uh, they, when they, where they are paid, they're on a, a 90 to 120 day uh, schedule to to pay them. So, so the vendor is left held with a, an investment, and they take the money in that 90 day period and invest it in in stocks or short term uh, investments, and they make nine, eight or nine percent on it. It's a free loan on the part of the vendors of the producers that they give to to Walmart, and Walmart uses it and makes money off of it. And that system works when you have a when you have everything working according to schedule. I mean, I'm against. I think it's it is wronging the vendors. The vendors should get paid right away, but that's another matter. But that this whole system works with these kind of systems, these uh, these economic and monetary uh, deals that are made in the meantime, and that throws everything off in the banking system as well. You know, some of these commodities and and cargoes change hands 10 or 10 or 15 times on the way to America. And uh, in those transactions, you know, the, there are price adjustments and people making profits off them. Uh, you can do that when you have a, a regular system and you know it will arrive at the same time and you know when you're going to offload the goods. But once those those uncertainties are entered into the schedule, uh, it disrupts not only the transport system, but the financial systems as well. That's very interesting, your analysis on Walmart. I wasn't aware of that. And yeah. that's a function, obviously, if it's scale and size, big corporations can have that kind of muscle. You're a free enterprise kind of guy. Yeah. So some people would argue, well, that's just the way it happens in the capitalist system. What, yeah. you know, what's, the, what's the problem here? <laughs> Well, I mean, if they agree to it, it's part of their contract. They could do it. I mean, there's no problem. But if you want that that Walmart contract, you you are making that concession, and Walmart makes a lot of money off that off that, and it's free money. It's and it's at the expense of the vendor who has invested in those products and to produce those products, and he's expected to hold hold on to that for that that debt for 90 to 120 more days. It is a hardship, especially if you're a small company. So um, that's their system. But it is a system that is a, a very mechanical system, not a human system. Mm, it's a cold I'm, I'm very system. much into a, a, an economy that is very human, that lets the human factor express itself and not to be a machine. A machine is a very brutal system. I'm sure there are other big merchants have similar um, oh, yeah, no, sessions, but I'm universal. sure Walmart's not the yes. only one out there. Yeah, it's pretty universal practice among a lot of the big, big stores and big retailers that they do systems like this. But uh, Walmart, of course, is the giant of them all and, and usually uses that. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended? your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested. That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, 
internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Our guest is John Horvath. He is discussing three reasons why he says the supply chain problems in America will persist. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. Well, we could go down a rabbit hole here, but you know that brings up another interesting phenomenon is that a lot of the goods that are sold in places like Walmart and in our malls and stores are produced in China to come on those containers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could start talking about human right abuses and so on in China. Mm-hmm. We It's starting to emerge as an issue. You just see the Olympics in Beijing, the human rights violations uh, that are reported about China, um, you know, the one child policy over the years and mm-hmm. uh, and the abortion policies and so on. But they, we still bring in their goods on these containers. Right, right. No, and it is a, I don't think we should. I mean, I mean, there, there, de- there are definitely options. We are the ones that built them up. If we didn't build them up there, we could build them in other places that do respect human rights. But uh, the choice was made there. And yeah. it was a wrong choice and a bad choice. And it is, uh, I mean, it's a shameful choice. So yeah. uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing this. And, uh, but we are, and we're now we're stuck in a, into a very dependent relationship with them. Well, we built up China and always surprised me. You got it. It was approved for membership in the world trade organization. Yes, 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 you know, it blows your mind when you think about it. And they don't play by the rules. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, if they yeah. play, they, they it it doesn't. There's no level of marketplace, level playing field here. It it is a is skewed in their favor. I mean, we all want free trade per se, but we want fair trade. Fair you know? trade, yeah, exactly, exactly. You have an interesting kind of conclusion uh, in your piece. The more important questions involve the operative wisdom of the choices now made in this global supply network. It involves political, social, and moral factors that the business world prefers not to consider since only costs, profits, and quarterly earnings make up the concerns of countless CEOs. Yes. Oh, yes, exactly. It, it is, uh, it, that, is the, that is the major concern of these, a lot of these CEOs. And uh, I, I'm, yeah, I want to think that trade is not just about goods and, and services being transferred. Uh, trade uh, is an expression of culture. It's expression of the creativity of people. Uh, these are factors that, uh, you know, uh, that are often overlooked in this global economy where everything looks the same and everything is the same. You know, it's, everything goes, or every, you know, it, it doesn't allow that, that expression of culture or that variety of culture that is so, is so necessary, I think, for the human condition. Uh, we are just stuck with these very, uh, I mean, there is a lot of variety out there, but it's everybody has exposed to the same variety. You go to one Walmart in Pennsylvania, another one in California, it's pretty much the same thing. They have 100,000 things there. That's true. But it's the same 100,000 things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So local culture should be allowed flourish. So more subsidiarity. Yeah, and, exactly. And, the subsidiarity is a very important factor in 
not only in human relationships, but also in economic ones. Yeah, and then you know more power back to the to the states in the United States. So I mean, some of this speaks to your ideas that you've written about uh, um, very so well, so interestingly, the idea of frenetic intemperance. Let me back step back a little bit. You're not you're a free enterprise guy. You you support the, the capitalist system in in a healthy, I guess, kind of way. But it's another thing having all this. I guess unbridled capitalism, that's where we have problems, where this frenetic intemperance is just right. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I'm uh I don't use the word capitalism because it is a Marxist term. It was yeah, it was it was it was just sort of uh it was it was tagged on to the to the um to the uh to the free marketers, so to speak, as a, d- a derogatory term. And so it's it's a term as a, the derived end. from the idea of capital, you're a capitalist. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I prefer free market. I prefer fair market. I prefer, you know, uh, free enterprise, because that's what we really defend. Uh, capitalism is a is an is a term that has no definition. It, it goes all over the place. So you you need to you need to grab onto something that has a definition so you can defend it. If it doesn't have a, de- a definition, I don't. Uh, uh, John Paul II. He says they asked him once, uh, "Well, are you for capitalism?" He says, "Well, if you mean this, yes, of course. If you mean this." No, I don't. So it has a wide range of meanings, and it's better to uh, to fight on on the battlefield of your choosing and not that of the other of the enemy. That was interesting that John Paul responded that way. You mean this? You mean that? I mean, yeah. so some people looking at the teachings on that by various uh, Catholic leaders and yeah. and and scholars um would say that it's a little bit of free enterprise or a lot it's all free enterprise but it's also um i mean for want of another word there's a certain tinge of maybe would this be fair christian socialism uh distributism um well i mean economics is a is a human science it's also a subordinate science it's it it is it is a science that needs to be subordinate to um Morality, moral science, moral, moral theology, ethics—that uh, is the—that is what should regulate economy because you need to have those um, guidelines in place because you are you are involving human action. Any human action can have a good or a bad effect, and therefore uh, is you know it can have a, a bad effect on the or good effect on the common good. So it is subordinate. It needs to be subordinate, sort of subordinate to it. So I would not call it, you know, Catholic socialism. I would just call it. Uh, it would have to be Christian ethics or, uh, you know, moral th- or moral theology. Moral theology deals with the morality of human acts and how to deal with those things. And the church has a lot to offer in that regard. Uh, there was a whole school of Salamanca way back in the in the late Middle Ages that you know defined very uh, uh, economic terms that we still use today. And everybody, most ec- economists. Honest economists will trace themselves back to Salamanca. Even the the libertarians, the Austrians, the you know you name it, they will trace themselves back to the to Salamanca, which defined the basic terms of economy and system first systematized economy and gave us what we had today. Uh, the modern economy tended to separate e- uh, economy and morality, and turned economy into uh, economic formulas, a Keynesian nonsense and other things that really don't have anything to do with uh, it, their, its social effects. 
So in your view, the way the American free enterprise system is constructed, and we know there are people trying to tear it down. We've right. seen that, you know, Marxists and extreme extremists on the left. We saw riots on the street related mm-hmm. to all of this. But in your view, the American system with a federal reserve system, interest rates, taxes, um, government intervention, what's your take on it? Is, is, is that a good system? Well, I'd say I would say our system fits the state of our nation that uh, I would talk, you talked about frenetic intemperance. Frenetic which is your, intemperance, which is your <laughs> phrase is, that I've carried around with me. It's, it's stayed yeah, in my mind. Yeah, it's this desire to have everything now instantly without effort. To you know, this very uh, frenetic type of activities that brings the market up and down, crashes. All you know, all the things that we see in modern economy. And uh, what I what I usually say is, oh, well, you know, uh, what about the Federal Reserve? I say, well, okay, Federal, the Federal Reserve is a system that ad- adapts to frenetic intemperance. It maximizes, it helps to uh, create money supply and contract money supply according to the frenetic intemperance of the people. And if you were to do away with the Fed, um, probably you would, within a couple of years, you'd have another Fed in, in a different mm-hmm. way because our economic system cannot function without some type of rapid uh, money expansion and contraction mechanism in place. So the problem is not the Fed, but it is our frenetic intemperance. If we had a temperate economy that was based on a lot of, of, of Catholic principles and uh, let's say the family and a lot of other th- factors entered into, the Fed would not be an issue. It would, it would, it would simply, we wouldn't need the Fed. We would, we would have an economic system in place that will allow us to, to deal with the problems uh, that the Fed takes care of. So in a sense, the Fed is responding to the public out there. The public feeds on this great trough of capital that's flooding the markets and credit offers. and Right. All those things are entering into the system. And you need a a very agile system that will create money and contract money supply and deal with that money supply. And it does it. uh, I don't. It does it to the detriment of the country because you have adverse effects, but it does it. And uh, that's and so the problem I think is in the is the moral problem inside our our society and not the financial. It is also the financial problem, but not nearly as much. So it's the moral problem and not the financial. Yes, yes, exactly. The people are making bad choices. Financial consequences. Of course, yeah, but people are making bad choices. They're making bad choices, and uh, I mean they're they and they're being thrown bad choices they're just being bombarded with these bad choices you know a credit card economy where everything is just said well put it on the card you know buy late uh pay later all these options that are in front of people um it creates a society that is yeah i, I think there's some merit in what you say it's it seems to be at fever pitch and you just look at the um rise in personal debt consumer debt global debt i mean it's mind-boggling we're still here but i feel we're always on the precipice of a massive disaster yes yes it definitely has that has that feel especially with the pandemic it it just accelerated that process you know uh consumer debt is now at its height at 15 trillion and our national debt is at 30 trillion you know it was two or three years ago was at 22 or 23 trillion yeah so, so it is a huge, uh, a massive, and it is the idea, well, there are problems, throw dollars at it. And if there are a lot of big problems, throw a lot of dollars at it. And that's what we've done, you know. And the wheels of industry keep turning, but you wonder how long that can last without some seize up. Tell us a bit more about your group. Okay. Yeah, I'm from the American Society for Defense of Tradition Family Property, which is TFP. 
And we're a civic organization of Catholic inspiration. We defend tradition, family, property uh, through books and publications, uh, educational programs, campus, uh, campus outreach. So we have offices throughout the country. And we do a lot, of, a lot of work with youth, especially young men, uh, to get them out on the public square and to proclaim our faith and, uh, you know, what, what, needs, what needs to be done for our country. I believe your roots can be traced in part to... To Brazil. Brazil. Brazil and I, 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 my, what I understand is, did you know, this scholar or scholars who were behind it, they were influenced by the threat from communism. Yes, uh-huh. uh, the original, the founder of the TFP movement was Professor Plinio Correiro Rivera, and he was uh, very active uh, from 1930 to when he died in 1995. But that was a period of very of, of upheaval inside Brazil, and especially during that time, the guerrilla movements and all the um, liberation theology and all these things were major factors that were taking a very Catholic population that should naturally be against these things and turning them into, you know, into a socialist and, and Marxist mentality. Yeah, and we see a lot of movements around the world. It's never clear to me which ways countries in South America go, and they seem to sort of pendulum, you know, they go from left to right at oh, rapid yeah. speed. South America, for some reason, it's amazing. You were out there, you're a sister organization in Ireland, was out there recently. Um, I'm being Irish, I have to, you know, congratulate <laughs> you guys and kudos, as they say, the Irish fishermen. Yes, yes. Yeah, there was a, uh, I just heard about it. Uh, and uh, I actually had uh, one of the young man that was there, he was telling you that he just arrived here in America. And he said that, yeah, they, uh, they did a, a rosary rally in support of the fishermen, the fish, the the Russian Navy was going inside the Irish economic zone and we're going to hold live fire exercises off their coast. And so these, these Irish fishermen took it in their own hands and got 60 of their, their vessels uh, uh, ready. And they, they went to the middle of that uh, zone and said, uh, if you fire in this zone, you risk hitting us. So we're gonna be out here. And so they moved outside the zone. So they defeated the, the the Russian Navy, and we we were we came out in support of them, and you know saying, well, this is something. This was very well done. Thank you very much. And they were very appreciative to see that support. Great. They needed all the support they could get. I don't know what the Irish government was doing for them. Maybe did they even <laughs> rally to them? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, uh, the Irish government is just uh, really. It was it was extremely hard on them in the COVID crisis. And uh, it was just a huge lockdown there. So I... Oh, yeah, it was extreme. It was extreme. I, I, and I, it, it destroyed, on some levels, uh, economic activity. It, everything shut down. Yes. But yes. now we see people have had enough of it. And now economies are open. The public won't take it anymore. Yeah, I mean, it is inhuman. It's, un, it's, not, it's not according to our nature. I mean, these uh, epidemics happen, but they need to run their course. You cannot have a zero tolerance environment because it's out there and it's, yeah. it's going to it's going to do what it naturally does. Yeah, yeah, and of course the other thing uh, they closed down the churches in Ireland. That, oh, yeah. That, yeah, exactly. that was distressing, and and oh, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I didn't see a lot of pushback. Uh, maybe I'm speaking at a church, as they say, but didn't see the bishops pushing back too hard on that one. No, 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 they didn't. Not at all. Not at all. But I did hear there were some priests that would actually say mass on the uh, on those stone altars in the woods that they had during the times oh, of persecution. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's its throwback. Yeah, yes. yeah. We that's uh, Ireland's history. If you go back not too long ago, where they had um, they had have masts on these um, mass rocks yes. in remote places because they were persecuted and it was outlawed. So yes. maybe it brings out the sometimes you know these episodes like the COVID brings out the very best in people and wakens yes. up wakens up people so your group um does a lot of good stuff and you're an economist you guys rally um are you growing as a group do you get a lot of uh, support from i don't know leaders business people rank and file people on the ground how are you viewed well we we definitely uh have a lot of exposure out there we we use all the media that's out that we can we have a a large direct mail outreach. We have a, a video channel called TFE Student Action, which uh, shows our young people on campus uh, confronting the left that really gives a lot of courage to people. We have an office in Washington where we are in contact with a lot of the people that are decision makers and 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 to do what they uh, and have been and have been there for about 50 years. So it's we have a uh, very strong presence there. We have emails that go out to uh, hundreds of thousands, hopefully, hopefully millions soon. So it is a, uh, it is we are we are very busy. We are expanding. We have, uh, and we are um, just we are con- we we confide very much in the Blessed Mother and uh, and 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 our Lord that uh, to to help us to go ahead. So you're inspired by your faith, and that keeps you strong. People want to reach your organization. How do they do that? Website, any addresses here? Yes, you can go to www.tfp.org, www.tfp.org, or you can go to www.returntoorder.org, which is the name of the book that uh, that I wrote about uh, economics and Catholic uh, teachings that discuss some of the subjects that we just discussed here. Well, it's just been fascinating. And the paper you published recently was headlined Three Reasons Why the Supply Chain Problem Will Persist. Hopefully it won't persist forever and it'll be returned to some kind of normalcy and common sense. John Horvath, it was great having you on my show. Take care and we'll gather again soon. Thank you. You are listening to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. You can reach the host in the U.S. at 973-529-4699. That's 973-529-4699. 973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com burndesk at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.